0: Thank you. Hello, I'm just looking at something shiny here. Uh, somebody sent a well a letter in that interesting. I might have to research that one. But again, as I said, yes, I tried to make the screen larger and managed to erase all my letters. So if you have sent a letter that uh, it wasn't answered, and you really need an answer. Well, send it again because, well, you know, being computers, that said. Let us pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, o Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the word of souls. Amen. Lord. Again, I'd ask you, so many people need our prayers, Lord, and please bless Bill and help the doctors to heal him and, and all those who are suffering from COVID, and um, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Um, another friend just had a liver transplant and doing well. We ask you to bless all these people, all the people we love who are sick, be it spiritually or physically, or both. We know that you hold us in the palm of your hand, Lord. Thank you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen all right let's do it let's open the big book on the coffee table <clears throat> all right now we are bouncing back to the first book of maccabees and um uh, the, the officers uh, this is first maccabees the second chapter now this is kind of interesting the officers of the officers of the king are in charge of enforcing apostasy <laughs> in other words enforcing the the uh conforming to the state religion uh um that understand what what's going on here you could worship any gods you want provided that you also worship the gods of the state it was just a matter of towing the line in conformity Uh, people often talk about uh, the great tolerance of romans then uh, they were uh, in, by worldly standards. Uh, however, the idea of one God has absolutely foreign to the ancient world. Uh, you got to understand the gods. The gods were immortal. They weren't eternal. Uh, what's the difference? Well, eternal means timeless. Uh, having no beginning, no end. The gods had a beginning and the gods would have an end. They were immortal in that they did not die the way that we mortals did. Uh, they they weren't subject to the laws of death. They would end, but it wasn't quite death. And there were different different eras uh, ruled by different gods. Uh, it, a com- thing completely foreign to us. What they really were worshipping were nature spirits. It, it's I don't know if you've ever heard me say a thing like this, but there are really only two religions in the world. Two religions. There are lots of different creeds and faiths and all that sort of thing. But in terms of religion, either the universe is somehow self-creating or it is created by uh, a being outside of it. And we are theists. We believe that that a being, uh, an all-powerful being outside of the creation, who's not dependent on the creation for his existence, brought all things into being by his will. Most people in the history of the world have believed, whether they know it or not, that that the world, the universe, is eternal. It is unending. Um, the idea of the Big Bang is a modern idea, and Einstein was just opposed to it until he finally had to admit that uh, Monsignor Lemaitre, uh, a Catholic priest who came up with the idea of the Big Bang, he didn't call it the Big Bang, but he came up with the idea of the Big Bang, and that's very significant. It means it means science, in our times, agrees that time had a beginning, and the universe had a beginning. What there was before this explosion of light, uh, we don't know, and it's beyond our ability to investigate it. Uh, but this universe, with its law, with its laws of physics, came into being. At a certain point in history, be it 7,000 years ago or 14 billion years ago, I don't know. I wasn't there. However, most people throughout the history of the world have assumed that this existence, this, this universe, this physical reality was forever. And perceived a spiritual reality within it nature spirits that um, we human beings tend to to think everything has a personality certainly my computers do and they don't like me uh, so i'm just joking um the 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 idea of uh, things having spirits um well That's what people, trees had spirits, nature spirits. And these these spirits were mythologized into gods. Uh, So the gods were not all powerful. They were not eternal. They were not all knowing. They just had a lot more than we did. Uh, And St. Paul and the early Christians seemed to have believed that the gods were real, except they weren't gods. They were demons, uh, you know, people get all excited about leprechauns and all these these cute things of, of folklore and fairies. They're malevolent spirits. Ask somebody who really knows Irish mythology and the leprechauns and the and the fairies. This is the old religion. Um, uh, European people worshipped these nature spirits, and and the Romans worshipped nature spirits. The Greeks worshipped the personification of certain Qualities and virtues uh, more than the Romans did, but essential Roman religion was um, it was the god. Oh gosh, I'm really digressing here, but ah, something I think that's worth knowing. Uh, the The Romans worship what they called the numina, in the singular, which is Newman, not Cardinal Newman, not the fellow in Jerry Seinfeld uh, comedy, but the the numina. Uh, you go into a place in the forest, and it seems spooky. They'd say, there's a Newman there. There's a Hello, Newman. This was neuter. (laughs) That was that live? I hope it was. That would be cool. That's cool. Hello, Newman. Yes, that's what they would say when they came into a clearing in the forest that was spooky. Hello, Newman. And you'd offer sacrifice. They had thousands of gods. They had the god of the door. You had the god of this, the god of that. And they were always placating the gods. You see, these nature spirits, including, you know, Talk to an old Irishman, uh, the, the the leprechauns and the fairies. You had to keep 'em off your off your case. They didn't like people. They didn't care about people. They they were and, uh, the voice, and What's they do that right now in Thailand? The voice in my head said, "Well, uh, come live.
2: What? What's uh, tell the story? Tell the story." So, Father. So I, I spend a little bit of time in Thailand, and I would go. Uh, and there would be little shrines to the spirits outside of each building. So they believed, from what I understand, I could be wrong, but when you when you build a building, you're actually taking land away from the evil spirits. So you ha- you build a shrine to them, and then you give them. So they would there's there's cans of Fanta and Coke everywhere with straws for the spirits as as a, almost like really? a, as a gift to the evil spirits. Really, really, yeah. This is all wow, over Thailand. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so it's still now, Thailand today. is
0: essentially. It's it's essentially a Hindu country, right?
2: No, predominantly Buddhist. Oh, it's predominantly Buddhist. Predominantly Buddhist. Oh,
0: I thought I thought there was Hinduism in in Thailand also. There might hmm, be some but but
2: from my experience there for a month or so it was it was pretty much Buddhist temples everywhere.
0: But they 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 maintain that old religion of d of, of course uh, Buddhism is more a philosophy than a religion. It sounds like they maintain the old religion while embracing Buddhist philosophy. Interesting. Absolutely. Well let me continue with with the Shmir. This is this is a religious awareness that's completely different from ours as Christians, uh, or people who are in cultures that have been Christian. So this was the really now Greeks kind of ramped it up a, a, a notch. They they personified the gods more than Romans did, and the Romans adopted this personification of the gods. Uh, the gods were nameless, faceless spirits for the Romans, but as Greek influence spread, they began to uh, incorporate that Greek idea of the gods. But religion, on a practical basis, was, was what uh, Nick, the voice in my head, said, uh, that um it was kind of a voodoo to keep the gods from to keep the gods off your case. You know, they, they didn't like you. They didn't care about you. They might play with you and and you know you know and uh, yank your chain because well, that's their gods. Uh, you were might be amusing to them. But what developed in Greco-Roman religion was the cult of kings, that kings would claim descent from gods. Uh, for instance, Julius Caesar claimed to be descended from both the god Mars and the goddess Venus, thus charging him with a certain element of divinity. Um, the, the, I think Mithridates of of uh, uh, what is now Turkey claimed to be descended from Hercules, that sort of thing. And so the gods, the kings of, of the world were to be worshipped and you could worship any god you chose, provided you also honor the state cult and it was conformity. Now that applies very strongly to us. That we <laughs> we are they're insisting that we worship at the state shrine. Um that we agree with what the majority agrees with, that we tolerate and permit. And you know, I, I think we should be tolerant people. But <laughs> have you ever heard the saying one should keep an open mind but it's quite a different thing to let geese fly around in there. Uh, fine, you have a conscience. You believe this behavior is right. I have a conscience. I believe it's wrong. Well, how dare you? How dare you? You're condemning. No, I'm not condemning you. I'm saying I don't agree with you. If you're in good conscience, what can I say? But my conscience forbids this to me and forbids me to participate in it, forbids me to fund it, uh, forbids me to... Uh, to, to say it's it's objectively good. Maybe I'm wrong, but I have to be faithful to my conscience, just as you have to be faithful to your conscience. I think most of the people in the new state cult, which, uh, which honors very bizarre things, they're not uh, honoring their conscience, they're honoring their pleasures and desires, which is different. They have thought that their opinion is their conscience, and it is not. But ah, uh, I digress a great deal. Uh, so that's what's going on here that, that now I, I want you to it sounds like like this is uh, uh, um, uh, an encouragement to violence because uh, uh, the Maccabee uh, here, which one is it? it's Matttheus. I gotta keep my Maccabees straight. Um, it was a priest, the family of killed uh the the this jew who said ah you're crazy just off i actually you know a priest who once said ah the old guy Eleazar should just have eaten the pork and shut up uh that wasn't what they did <laughs> that astonished me when i heard that sermon but uh the back to this fellow a certain jew came forward and offered sacrifice and matthias killed him and killed the messenger now this is bold this is brave i don't know that that, that that's what we should take from this um the 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 Maccabees didn't end up so well. Uh, the Maccabees um, uh, eventually became very corrupt. You know, this is an interesting. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do it. You look at Abraham and his solution to his infertility, his wife's infertility problem. Take a concubine look at how that worked out. We're still fighting in the Middle East because those guys had, had wives and concubines. You know that uh, um, Hagar, the son of Hagar, uh, Ishmael is the father of the tribes of Arabs and uh, Isaac uh, is the grandfather of Israel. And those 12 tribes, we're still paying for it this day. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do it. And I if you look at the history of the Maccabees, they became terrible collaborationists and they led ultimately to Herod the Great. Uh, they, they started out as revolutionaries, but they ended as collaborators uh, in a generation or two. So just cause it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do it that way. That's what I mean when I say the Bible is very human and very divine. All right. Um, well, let's go to uh, the gospel real quickly. Uh This is, oh dear, let me look at the time. The, uh, um, the gospel here is problematic. People look at this text and Jesus is describing with great clarity what was going to happen to Jerusalem, uh, about your enemies will come around you. I think I shared with you already, uh. Uh, when Jesus said where the corpse is the eagles will also be you'd expect vultures but he says eagles the Roman Romans carried eagles in front of their uh, legions uh, the Roman eagle was the symbol of that, that legion and for the enemy to capture the legion was a great humiliation for that that Roman legion uh, Jesus was he was saying where the vulture is there, where the corpse is the, 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 the Roman eagles are going to be. Now, a lot of scholars say, well, clearly, because Jesus prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, this must be written after the siege of Jerusalem. That's crazy. That's, that's ridiculous reasoning. That's assuming there is no such thing as prophetic speech. And think about uh, Fatima. Think about, uh, 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 oh, which is it, Our Lady of Good Success in... Uh, uh, in, is it in, I think it's in Peru. Uh, she, she calls the 20th century almost to the T. Um, God does reveal these things when it's important to his plan to do so. And the gospel of Luke, if you look at it, it doesn't end. It it doesn't say whether Paul is acquitted. And it doesn't really talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. It alludes prophetically to it. So the gospel uh, of, of Luke had to be written in the early sixties because it doesn't tell us what happened to St. Paul. Remember that Luke and acts are two volumes of the same, same work. Um, that, that is the scholarly opinion. Um, they, it doesn't, it doesn't finish. It finishes with, and he stayed in his rented lodging for two years. Uh, <laughs> That's not telling us whether he was acquitted or convicted. And of course, the strong tradition is that he was acquitted, traveled again, came back to Rome, was rearrested around 64 AD. So, um, this is, this is uh, a very interesting text of scripture. And I just want to end with this You did not recognize the time of your visitation. That word is episcopis, the same as the word for bishop. Episcopus is, is bishop, episcopis. Is visitation episcopi, and what it means is inspection. We think of a visitation. How nice we're going to be visited! Oh no, it's it's a an inspection, and um, you know one of the great jobs of the bishop is to know what's going on in his diocese first hand. I think it's a very very important uh, consideration for bishops that that. he needs to know his clergy really really well and really paternally and uh, he needs to know his parishes that the, the very name episcopus means inspector and uh, you didn't recognize the time of your your inspection jesus the coming of jesus was the inspection of israel the religion of israel the religion of the temple was held up against jesus <laughs> and and it was found lacking in other words it was all about the glitz the glitter the gold and this the smells and the bells and jesus was a humble god he was the visible image of the invisible god and that's what god looks like in the temple Refused to recognize him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they said he has a demon. Uh, what they were saying was, well, if he were from God, he'd look like us because we're from God. No, he was from God. They weren't. So occasionally God inspects us, holds us up. Have you ever met someone who's really holy? And then you realize, mm, I thought I was holy. Then I met them. Um, that That's an episcopy. That's, that's, in a sense, an inspection. That when you meet a saint and that saint their very presence convicts you of your own sinfulness. What do you do? How do you react? Ah, they're crazy. They're fanatical. You know, the definition of a fanatic is someone who loves Jesus more than you do. You know, oh, they're fanatical. Well, no, they're just, <laughs> they just love Jesus more than you do. And, and when we look at a saint and our reaction is, bah, forget them. Or our reaction is, oh, how I wish I could emulate them the way they imitate Christ. So, They didn't recognize the time of their inspection, and so often I don't either. All right, that said, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back with our mass hysteria, and uh, um, we will um, then move on to letters and phone calls. And, of course, a word of the day. We'll be right back. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Do call in flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash Forrester. We rise again from ashes from the good we Oh, it's such we a beautiful song. Me, 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 we, 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 we rise again from ashes because we are so cool. You know, that's the thing about, about, uh um, This music that makes me crazy. It's all about us. (laughs) At any rate, the narcissism that has bled over into liturgy. Well, it's time to talk about mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Oh, I guess I, I want to continue with yesterday's theme. Can't we all just get along? Um... It is interesting how much venom and spleen, whatever that is, 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 is um, poured out for liturgical subjects. Um, and I, I really think that there needs to be some real, um, uh, some real reason dialogue. Why is this good? Why is that good? To suspend our condemnation? Well, it's not what we did before. Well, yeah, well, that's not a reason to not do it now. Or is it, you know, that I think that that the word Catholic and and this is really kind of what I want to say in this little segment. I'll try to be brief. The word Catholic means universal. And most people think of Catholic as embracing the current world. It does. The word the word is a Greek word, which means down through the whole thing. The, the Catholicism embraces the whole world. We are not Italian Catholics. We are not American Catholics. We're Catholics in America, Catholics in Italy, Catholics in Germany, wherever we are, we're Catholics there. People talk about the American church. I don't want to be part of the American church. I want to be part of the Catholic church in America. I want to have that familial relationship with all of humanity. That's what Catholic means. It doesn't just apply, though, to 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 space. It applies to time. I am intimately related to what has gone before me. And I am intimately related to what will come after me if the Lord delays. You see, I owe a debt to the past and I have a responsibility to the future. And I suspect that the the radical changes that happened in 1960, which were not part of the liturgy. They were not part of Vatican II. The absolute, the the Vatican II never turned the altars around. Vatican II never did away with Latin. Vatican II never did away with those things. Liturgical movement did, but the liturgical movement is not infallible. A church council is part of the the, the teaching authority of the church in a very direct and powerful way, and so the council don't badmouth the council, but the liturgical movement, for instance, the any Mass that I often mention was invented by Archbishop Rembert Weekland, if my history is right. Um, now, every Mass, is ex- it's expected that is every Mass is a any Mass in some way or other. Uh, there are churches where there uh, every Mass is a guitar Mass. And this was never envisioned by the council. Uh, that total abrupt change in the liturgy so that what we're doing now would be unrecognizable to someone who was a Catholic in 1950 or in the year 1000 or in the year 300 in the year 200, it would be unrecognizable. And the reason that we did this is we need to go back to the early Christian uh, approach to things. Uh, you know, earlier is better. Early is not necessarily better. Um, the the that's a logical fallacy that that the absolute inconsistency of our liturgical attitudes uh, to what went before these make us not catholic not universal um, i look at at the informality you know I, I was at a mass oh gosh a while ago in which if I'm recalling, the uh, the song leader commentator in this little country church was wearing, I think he was wearing shorts and deck shoes and a t-shirt. And that would be incomprehensible to someone 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago. Uh, that means it's not in union with the church universal. And I, th- I think that we need to understand the mass should be Catholic I don't mean one way or the other I'm not talking for the the old mass or the new mass I, I think that we need to emphasize those elements of continuity in the liturgy if, if I were king of the forest, I would restore some of the old offertory prayers. To me, it is, it's almost humorous that we put in uh, the Jewish blessing of bread and wine in the offertory and did away with all the old offertory prayers. And at the same time, we did away with some of the most Jewish parts of the mass, the repetition in threes, the bells, uh, the coverings of the chalice. These are all things we get from, from uh, the Old Testament, from the Hebrew scriptures and often from Jewish practice. Um, you know, we do things in threes in the mass. Uh, the Byzantines still do, but we've gotten rid of a lot of our threes. We don't do "Lord, I'm not worthy." Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not Why are threes important to Judaism? Because threes, uh, when something is, it happens um, in a succession of three. It's it's for real. If you, I go into the synagogue and I sit in the same pew three Sabbaths in a row, that's my pew. And if somebody else sits there. I look at him with a quizzical look and he realizes that's my seat. He moves elsewhere. Third time's the charm. Uh, um, the th- three, the, the succession succession of threes is, it, it confirms the reality of it. That's why Jesus was in the tomb three days. When you're in the tomb three days, you're really dead. You're not just uh, a, a catatonic, uh, that sort of thing. Uh so when we would say, holy, 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 well, that's three. Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, that's three. Uh, but uh, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, that's three. Uh, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy, which was in threes. Um, we did away with, with uh, that. People want to do away with the bells. The covering of the chalice, for instance, is reminiscent of, of the Ark of the Covenant. That um, It's a symbol of the covering of the Holy Spirit. And all of these very Jewish things we kind of took out. The liturgists wanted to take out, and then they put in the Jewish uh, prayers before meal, before grace before uh, dinner. And it was just such an abrupt change uh, that it, it wrenched us from an organic Catholic growth. I'm not opposed to liturgical reform but uh, liturgical experimentation is quite another thing. So that's my opinion. Sorry about that. All right, let's go to letters. All right, remember, I told you yesterday that I pressed the wrong button. I told you earlier in the show, I pressed the wrong button and lost all my letters. I had moved some letters to a more friendly uh, computer. Uh, So I've got some letters and I did get some today. So if you had a question that you just needed to have answered and you haven't heard from me in a while, Uh, send it again because, well, (laughs) you don't mean computers. They're evil, I tell you. All right. This is from Alice. How does the Lutheran consubstantiation differ from our Catholic transubstantiation? For that matter, all I know about the latter is that the end of the consecration, the unleavened bread and wine is now body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. But I have no clue how it gets from food and drink to divinity. Is there any theology? Oh, there's lots of theology about the process. And carding wines want to know. Uh, is the orthodox view the same as ours? Uh, yes, it is. Um, what is the difference between consubstantiation and transubstantiation? Uh, the uh, consubstantiation says that the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus is intermingled with the substance of bread and wine. We believe that there's no more bread and wine there. It may look like bread and taste like wine, but there's no bread and wine there. It's jesus it is the whole christ uh, and that well that's crazy i mean it's clearly bread and wine it looks like bread and wine i would suggest if you think that look up eucharistic miracle of buenos aires eucharistic miracle of socolka and look Lucari- eucharistic miracle of uh, uh, i believe it is oviedo, is it not oviedo come on what what's the one in italy voice in my head uh the eucharistic miracle of what is the Eucharistic Miracle, famous one in Italy, about 700, 800 A.D.? Oh, gosh, I can't think of it. Well, no, not, no, not, no, It no, it's one that, L'Anciano, L'Anciano, the Eucharistic Miracle of L'Anciano. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, uh, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, the, uh, uh Catholics, uh, Roman Catholics, love the Orthodox. When there's a miracle, they say there's a miracle. Uh, the, the Roman the Roman church. What we like to do is, oh, send it to a scientist. This can't be true. Um, well, uh, it's very interesting. This uh, the Eucharistic miracles, they, they utterly fascinate me. And the three I just mentioned, all three of those were sent for forensic testing. In fact, is I talked to one of the lawyers uh, um, wrote a beautiful book about it uh, who, who actually carried the hand delivered uh, the uh, sample of the host in Buenos Aires that had miraculously changed into visible flesh and blood he uh, um, oh why can't I can't think of his name, Ron oh gosh, uh, Tesoriero Ron Tesoriero I believe is his name uh I had the privilege to talk to him for quite a while um, he he hand-delivered it to a forensic pathologist in New York to confirm the diagnosis of the, of, the, of the forensic pathologist in Buenos Aires. And with Sokolka, the same thing. With Lanchana, the same thing. It is not simply visibly become flesh and blood. It's a particular kind of flesh and blood. The, the tissue is taken from the heart, the left ventricle. So when you receive communion, it may look like bread and wine, but you're receiving the sacred heart. You're receiving the heart of Jesus this uh, this intrigues me that those three miracles and I think more but certainly those three uh, are, are, are cardiac tissue and uh, um, to think that God is putting the sacred heart into my hands into your hands on your tongue whichever way you receive communion um, conf- giving his beloved to you for care it's breathtaking so yeah Ooh. We believe, I don't know how this happens, but it happens on a level much more profound than matter. Um, So I I don't know if that helps at all, Alice. God bless and thanks for, for writing in and for listening. I think I can do one more and then we'll take a break. Okay. This is great fun. This is from a random Catholic woman. (laughs) Uh, Next time someone asks my pronouns, I want to tell them that the pronouns are thou, thee, thy, and thine. Is this too too sarcastic an answer? Not at all, my dear. Not at all. You know, thou, thee, thy, and thine, we always think they're formal, but they're actually the familiar. In English, the familiar has died out. We just say you, which was the formal. Uh, uh, Until very recently, Quakers refused to use you. It was too grand. They used thou and thee and thine. Um, Richard Nixon's mother, who was a devout Quaker, always called him thee. <laughs> so, uh, um, yes, I think this is very good. Uh, why? Well, why do we? The only place we see thou, thee, and thine, and all that, is in prayer. Isn't that formal? No. God and the saints. They know us better than anybody. So we call, we address God by the familiar as we would our daddy. So there you go. All right, that said, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with a word of the day and uh, phone calls at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. More useless nuggets of, of stuff to come. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com/forester.
1: Now everybody clap your hands. Give yourself a chance.
0: You've got well, a soul. Somebody everybody called in. I was very sick no of my right being divisive. I'm trying not to be divisive I'm just trying to point out that um, we need to be listening to each other on both sides of the discussion (laughs) I don't know that's divisive but meh. you know that uh, we live in a very I think a very decadent uh, period of of American history and um, you know art reflects the the uh, the ethos of of the of, of the people and i think that um that modern art is in is in trouble uh, and there's some that's just beautiful and some that's not um for instance uh, if well I, I i don't want to go into it but the point i'm trying to make isn't that one is superior to the other that that um but the real point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter what you and I like. I know what I like. It may not be what you like. The whole point is, what is the Lord like? <laughs> if our desire is to please God, we'll do fine. But, uh, oh, and also don't forget to go to the website and look at the Ad- Father Rocky's Advent Reflections. And, you know, Advent, it's not too early to start. I'm, you know, uh, it's just amazing to me how they want to shill for Christmas already. You know, to shill means it's a a Yiddish, uh, word meaning shill, but they just, the stuff is out already. Um, let's, let's, I think Father Rocky's Advent Reflections, which you can find on the app or the website are a wonderful way to, to sanctify, uh, this time of the year, which is a holy season. It's, it's a season of penance, repentance, and reflection. All right. Uh, let us now go to the word of the day. <laughs> this is a fun word of the day. Uh, the, um, uh, in luke the reading from luke the 19th chapter is probably about the 43rd verse uh for the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you what what did what's a, a palisade a palisade is a wall of sticks palos means a stick and uh, it's kind of funny. There's some car manufacturer that has just manufactured a car that they call the Palisade. Come, drive our wall of sticks. But very interesting because the Romans were great at siege warfare. They would literally surround uh, a city and put up walls, and they just waited until you starved. And that's exactly what happened in Jerusalem. The The siege of Jerusalem, according to the Jewish historian Josephus, uh, was... um. Uh, He says that 1.1 million non-combatants died. Now, that's probably an exaggeration uh, because it it far exceeds the entire uh, population of Jerusalem before the siege. However, it was a a feast day, and people came to Jerusalem by the boatload. Uh, Jerusalem, the population doubled, tripled sometimes in certain holidays. Uh, So... um, it was they were the the people who come to celebrate Passover from all over the Holy Land and all over the world really Um, um, well uh, they were caught now the writes that ninety seven thousand people were taken as slaves they just set up this this wall around uh, Jerusalem you can actually see if you go to Masada you can actually see the remnants of, of the wall uh, they didn't have sticks in Masada, so they built it out of stones. But a palisade originally meant a, a, a wooden wall, uh, and um, the Romans were experts at it. So, that said, um, I mean, the siege of Jerusalem was awful. It was just incredibly horrible. Uh, maybe only half a million died. Who knows? All right, well, let's go to phone calls.
1: The is ringing.
0: Whom do we have on the film? Emily from Texas, are you with us? What can I do for you?
1: Hi, Father Simon. I have a question about something you said yesterday. Oh, dear. You were talking about baptism and how if you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, even if you're Baptist, you've still been, and I, this is where I'm confused, you've, you're still part of the church?
0: You, you, let's look at what the church is. How how I see the church, I see the church as this organization uh, that's run by men with little plastic collars. Um, you know, if you go to Rome uh, and sit in the Via della Conciliazione, having a uh, an espresso in the morning, you will see a parade of people in clerical clothing. With briefcases, you know, cassocks and briefcases. I don't know if they still wear cassocks, but they did last time I was there. And they look they look like they've been sucking on a lemon for a half an hour. (laughs) You know, that's people look at them and say, Well, the church should this, the church should that. But the Lord looks at the church as a bride, a wife, a mother. And you're incorporated into her by baptism. And though they are not fully incorporated, they don't go on to the the other sacraments of initiation, such as Confirmation and the Holy Eucharist, uh, they still have a relationship to that mother and to that family. So they're not outside the church. They're not inside it as much as we'd like them to be, but they're not outside. And we owe them the respect. For instance, if a person who's validly baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, um uh, wants to become a Catholic, we don't rebaptize them. They're already baptized. Now, if they're baptized in a, in, in a religion that does not use or intend the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit formula, for instance, they're Jesus only baptism people, we would rebaptize them. But even more than that, I was talking to my classmate, Father Branken, and he reminded me that, that by their common humanity, by God's love for them, in a certain sense, they are united to the church. Not 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 in a, in a clear, invisible way, but those people who are baptized share the sacrament, the first sacrament with us. Does that help a little?
1: It does. So here's my follow up question. Sure. About a year and a half ago, I heard a, a sermon about how if you're not Catholic and it was a little bit disturbing to some. I've got young kids and sometimes we take friends to church with us mm-hmm. that aren't Catholic. And it was if you're not Catholic, you're not going to go to heaven because you're not part of the true church.
0: That's heresy. That's heresy. Unless he meant it in terms of the universe. I think he'll be rather shocked. Uh, Abraham was not Catholic. And uh, he's counted as a saint. The Maccabee, the Maccabee saints we talked about yesterday, uh, the church regards them as being in heaven. The holy innocents. They weren't members of the Catholic church. Uh, um right you know I mean that that I, that was ill-considered of him whoever said that uh now okay.
1: I just needed some clarification yeah. and what you said yesterday like opened my eyes and I was like wow I need to make sure I heard correctly you
0: did you did and I I, I if I'm wrong about that and there's a better theologian than I who will correct me now I would say that God had great pity on me and brought me to the Catholic Church because I'm so thick-headed and stubborn I need all the sacraments you know I've heard it said it is amazing how we Catholics who have so much do so little with it and many Protestants who have so much less than we do in terms of the expression of faith they do so much more with what they've been given um, this is, uh, you know, I wish that everybody had the blessing of the sacraments, the blessing of the, of the, of the communion of saints. But I, 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 God, remember that no one is as anxious to get people to heaven as God is. And when we, the clergy begin to close the gates of heaven, well, we should worry that we will find ourselves outside them. So that's, you know, again, I, I regret sounding like a liberal cause I'm not one, but, uh, on the other hand, um, I do think it's important that we have a real respect and affection for our, our brothers and sisters who may not be uh, fully initiated into the church. So I hope that helps.
1: Yes, thank you. Good.
0: And I do pray that a better God theologian... That I
1: will I, keep you in my prayers.
0: Please. And I pray for all my friends who are ill. I'm very worried about some people who are quite ill with COVID, so... If you're going to pray for me, pray for them. Thank you. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope a theologian who is better educated than I is listening and can correct me if I'm wrong. All right. Who we got now? Jason from Sun City. Are you with us? What can I do for you? Yes, Father. I, uh, I, w- I went to Catholic uh, school from first to the 12th grade in the 1940s, mm-hmm. which is probably before you were born. Not, I was born in yeah. forty nine, so <laughs> go on. Okay. Anyway, uh, we were told that when we receive Holy Communion, Jesus stays with us fifteen minutes, and I was wondering if that was the teaching of the church or the opinion of the nun. It's the opinion of theologians, <laughs> of whom the nun was one. I don't know that it's a doctrine, but but just physiologically. I, I've heard ten minutes that 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 uh, the consecrated substance remains identifiably uh, uh, the host. You know, it sounds a little grisly, but a little, a little odd, but not grisly, but but the point of that is it's a wonderful time to spend a little extra time in church and it would be respectful not to eat within 10 minutes so if you go over to the laying on of donuts uh dawdle a bit in church first and then go over and get the coffee and donuts but it's it's to notice that is to say that that christ is physically with us uh, for a bit after mass is over you know that uh, good thing good time to spend in prayer so i i think that she was not off base i don't know that it's a teaching of the church but it is certainly physiologically probable, does that help? Yes, I usually try for fifteen minutes, but i sure sure. that's okay thank you very yeah. much couldn't 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 hurt it's not forbidden to eat immediately, but it's it's recommended that we spend a little extra time in prayer. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head, Sue from Chicago. what can I do for you?
1: Hi, Father. How are you?
0: pretty good, uh, considering the ravages of old age, but what can I do for you? Uh,
1: well, I know you're a little younger than I am, but anyway, um, yeah, here's what's going on. We had a parking lot mass going on in our parish for about over mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. And, recent, and it was always packed and uh, some of my friends who were in their 80s would say, oh, we love it, you know, we're afraid to go to church. And mm-hmm. today, in our bulletin, I saw that our pastor has decided to cancel the parking lot mask, and he said that he's going to have um drive through holy communion in case Could you're please. afraid to go to church i know he said what you should do is if you're afraid to come into church watch the stream of the mass on youtube and then get in your car and come through the drive through and get holy communion i'm not kidding so i just wanted no. to know what do you think about that
0: uh well i you know um, I don't know what I think about it. I think about it, well, he's given it the old college try. God bless him. Uh, it is a little odd. And I think one of the dangers of doing that kind of thing is, oh, but we liked the parking lot mass. We got used to it. Well, in about a year, I really like the drive-through communion, that that introducing all these kind of new variations that are very convenient. I'm not so sure that Mass is supposed to be convenient. Um, it's, it's, it's scaling uh, the heights of Calvary. Um, on the other hand, um, you know, God bless him for, for trying to be innovative and, to, and to, um, uh, to serve his people. So unless the bishop forbids it, um, I would not complain about it. Um, the, the, um, these are very strange times, uh, you may have noticed, but this idea that, 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 um, oh, I'm probably going to jump on a third rail here. The idea that I should have communion when I want and the way I want. When I was a boy and the woolly mammoth still roamed, people didn't go to communion, because you had to fast from midnight, from water, and from uh, from food, and there was no convenience about it. Communion was to be prepared for and to be meditated on. Now it's the old "gotta get there in time for communion." Gotta get communion. You know. Understand the holy. I, I make this differentiation: the holy Eucharist and the holy communion, though inseparably united, are two different things. I can give you the Holy Eucharist. I can't give you Holy Communion. Only God can give you Holy Communion, and he only does it if your soul is disposed, because the word communion refers to strong and intimate union. And if I am living in sin, for instance, I can't receive Holy Communion. Not I may not. I can't. I should not and may not receive the Eucharist if I'm in a state of sin. However, I cannot. It is an impossibility. For me to enter into deep and intimate union with the Lord if I'm in a state of mortal sin. Now, let's apply that to this. I'm not saying that that's a state of mortal sin. But the convenient element is like, yeah, I'm entering into union with the Lord on the way to the mall. No, we, we don't prepare for communion. And I think that the, the kind of, got to get communion, got to get communion. No, you don't. You got to be ready to receive communion. Uh, this may sound like heresy, but we have made the reception of the Holy Eucharist such a convenience that it may, um, it may indispose us to Holy communion. Do you follow what I mean? The very ease with which we can get the Eucharist. God, I didn't get the wine, that kind of nonsense. um, it may distance us from Holy Communion. That's the theory, and I may be wrong. Take it with a grain of salt. But Drew is coming up, and you can take him at his word. That's one of the things I like about Drew. hes He says it like it is.